Hello, lifers. This is Heather Drew, and this is the Life in the Whirlwind podcast. Today is episode 31, and this episode is called Longing for Home. So this topic is kind of epic. It's kind of big, and I'm not totally sure I can do it justice in one episode. Therefore, I may do a second episode on this either next week or in the near future, so keep that in mind as we as we talk about this today, that this, I think, is a large topic that I think could go in lots of different directions, but it's what's on my mind today, and like I always do, I talk about what's on my mind. So today, we're going to talk about this concept of longing for home. So one of the most formative times that I've thought about this concept of longing for home, what this means to sort of long for home is when I was in college and I was a writing major. And when you're a writing major, you have to read an incredible amount of books, which is why I read so many books now because I started early in my life reading a lot of books. I'm not sure which came first, the chicken or the egg, which came, did I want to be a writer first or did I read first? I don't remember. But um, in college, when you're a writing major, you read a ton of books and you read a lot of old books and ancient stories. So I read the story, The Odyssey by Homer, which I don't know, maybe you're familiar with this and maybe it's just something that you know about. I don't know. A lot, I don't know a whole lot of people who have read it except those that are writing majors. <laughs> those who are writing majors definitely probably have read it or literature majors, of course. But um, I don't know how many of you have read this, but I'm sure you are familiar with the concept, right? It's the story of Ulysses or Odysseus, however, you know, there's two different names. But you, let's go for Ulysses for, this, for the sake of this episode here. Um, the story of Ulysses is he's in a war. He's, you know, he's fought in this war. He is assumed by his beloved to be dead because he has not returned home. And he has this 10-year journey trying to get home. And on the path is an insane amount of obstacles, storms, creatures, barriers, uh, internal barriers, external barriers, um, symbol, external barriers that symbolize internal barriers. So this, this whole epic story of Ulysses trying to get home is one of the most quintessential and well-written versions of longing for home, longing to be home, right? So when I read this story long a long time ago, it, it sort of planted a seed in me that has continually blossomed and changed and the plants growing in my heart and all that. Um, by the way, if you hear lots of weird jiggling sounds, my fan, my ceiling fan is like a little wobbly. It's not going to fall. It's been doing this for years, but that's what the sound is. Anyway, um, but this concept of home has really been on my mind lately for lots of reasons, which I'll tell you in a minute. But I wanted to ask the question. I wanted to start this episode. Um, oh, P.S., before I forget, um, and then I'll tell you actually where we're going. Um, at the end of this episode, I'm going to play you a song that is one of my favorite songs 
in the whole world. This song is like on my, you know, I have a playlist called the soundtrack of my life and it's like my favorite, my all time favorite songs that I have cherished in my life. And so this song is called Ulysses and it's by Josh Garrels, who's this lovely man who is a songwriter in Oregon. So you'll enjoy that. That's the treat at the end. That's like the reward at the end of this episode which tells a little bit of the story of Ulysses, which is it's sort of this beautiful depiction of that story. And I hope by the time it comes on, you will have some nice uh, enlightenment about your own heart and home. And then when you listen to the song, hopefully it'll all kind of click into place a little bit better. That's my hope. So where are we going today? We're going to talk about home. We're going to talk about what it is. We're going to talk about um, what you do when you long for home. We're going to talk about things that make us long for home. (laughs) All of this is very dependent on the definition of home, right? Um, We're going to talk about a couple of stories that deal with home. And then I'm going to give you some practical thoughts about how to mm, experience home given what we talked about. (laughs) I'm trying not to spoil this. Try not to give any spoilers here. Okay. So have you ever asked yourself the question, what is home for me? There's, you know, our house or wherever we live. And depending on your situation of where you live, that may not feel Like, you know, there's this, like, place home, and then there's this feeling of home. So there's home, your house, but does that feel like home to you? Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't, maybe. Um, Maybe your house and the place in which you live actually feels very difficult, or maybe it feels a lot more like work, or it's strenuous, or... It's distressing. The microphone just cut out, so we're redoing this. Anyway, maybe home is distressing. Maybe home is a distressing place. Maybe it's full of interpersonal conflict or loneliness. Or, um, you know, my favorite poet, David White, who I read a lot, he has this poem. Actually, I read this yesterday. He had this on his webpage yesterday. His uh, poem of the day was Alone. And he said something along the lines of like, you know, one of the loneliest places you can be is in a marriage bed, a centimeter away and a thousand years apart, something like that, a thousand miles apart. Um, So, you know, home is extremely relative, right? It can be this place, uh, like one day we, we feel like we're one place is home and then the next day maybe it doesn't feel like that so much. So the the concept of home is actually very relative, which is kind of my point. So there's so many possibilities. Um, let me give you a couple maybe of examples maybe. So for me, I know this will shock and surprise you, but my yoga mat is home for me. I <laughs> I find that when I'm on my yoga mat, it's almost like nothing can touch me. It's like, uh, it's not actually physically like nothing can touch me. It's not, I feel like I feel unstoppable. It's just this sort of sense of groundedness. And 
I know that peace is around the corner or that it's available to me. So it's almost like that, that makes me think that home has this quality of access to peace, access to wholeness, access to, um, non-fragmentation, you know, like a whole experience of something, of life, of ourselves. It's, well, maybe it's life in the whirlwind. So that's a thought that, uh, just think about that. What is home for you? What is home? And what do you do when you long for home, but you don't feel that you're there? What do you do when you feel untethered? Which, again, this is when you hear this song at the end, hopefully it will remind you of this story or sort of tell you the story for the first time of Ulysses. But there's this sense of home feels so far away, home feels so distant and unachievable. And maybe that's the majority of your experience. Like maybe that is how you experience home more than anything, um, is that it feels far away. So what do you do when you long for the feeling of home, but you don't have it? And maybe this is really tied to your definition of home. For me, it really feels like home is this access to peace, access to being known, access to um, not having to do anything, but to be unconditionally loved, just for who I am, just to be enjoyed for who I am without having to accomplish something or to be something that I'm not or pretend to be something that I'm not or um, put on this show, you know? That's kind of what home is. It's kind of like I'm off duty. I can let my guard down to some degree. That's one way of thinking about home. Another thing that made me think about this episode this week is I deeply long to return to both countries, Rwanda and Lebanon. And I've been to both of these countries. I've been to Rwanda twice and I've been to Lebanon once. And for whatever reason, I've I've lived in a I've lived in other countries even, but for some reason these two places really capture something in me. And it really just captures sort of this piece of my heart in a way that I feel like I've left pieces of me in these places. And I think part of it is just that it is so enjoyable to have an experience of a different way of being in a different culture and the life amidst uh, such deep and, uh, you know, long-term suffering in these countries to see the resilience and see the joy and the life, the actual life that comes out of these places who have been war-torn and have ongoing trauma. It's just incredible, actually. So uh, I long for Rwanda. Like right now I have some friends who are there on a trip and I so long to be there. And it made me think, why can't I just caught myself uh, about to sort of shame myself. Ready? I was about to say, why can't I just get over this? Like, why can't I just let go of this desire, this like deep desire, this longing for home? 
in Rwanda, like this piece of me to return to this country that I've, that I love so much and has so many of my friends who I care for so deeply. Uh, and that just got me thinking, it just got me thinking about what it means to long for a place and it's totally different to be there. And I think part of what makes it feel like home is that I can tap into a part of me that I don't tap into when I'm home here in Pennsylvania and Philadelphia in United States, whatever. I got to tell you, I have to be honest with you. A lot of the time, a lot of my life, the United States has not felt like home for lots of reasons. I'm kind of a, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, on the inside, I feel like I have a wanderer in me that <laughs> sort of finds home elsewhere. Um, so anyway, so that's just an interesting thing to think about. Like, where is there a place for you that you've been or that you have visited or lived and it feels like home? And what does it feel like to long for that place? And what does it feel like to not just say, ah, what's wrong with me? Like, let it go, whatever. But to really just sit in that feeling of longing and take it in and see what happens to you. Like check in, how does it feel in your body to long for home? How does it feel in your heart? What are your emotions that come up when you long for home? Um, and what are some of the you know, cognitive processes that you go through when you long for home? Something to think about and maybe share with a friend. So... Um, there's this pretty famous passage in the Bible, in the New Testament, uh, which is this sort of part of, the, part of the Bible where Jesus is alive, and it's this chronicling of his life on earth. And he tells this story, which is a parable. By the way, parables are these stories that are meant to puzzle us and kind of take us by our heels and give us a little shake. So like all the change comes out of our pockets and we get very disoriented <laughs> um, in a good way, like to awaken us. So Jesus tells this incredible, incredibly famous story, which I think, you know, the first time people heard the story, it must've been like mind blowing. And it can be still for many of us. And a lot of us have also heard it so many times that we're kind of looking for new meaning in it. Um, but it's the story of this parable of the prodigal son. That's what it's called, or the lost son. And, you know, there's a ton of talk, a ton of, you know, sermons about this. There's books about it. There's, you know, one of my favorite, actually, this is how I got introduced to Henry Nouwen, um, was he wrote a book called The Return of the Prodigal Son. And that book changed my life. I mean, that book like blew me out of the water in so many ways. It's a great book. Uh, it's one of the last books that he wrote before he died suddenly, actually. So The Return of the Prodigal Son by Henry Nouwen, N-O-U-W-E-N. Uh, this story has so much meaning, and I'm not going to talk about it because those of you who know this story are probably like, no thanks, I don't want to hear about this. <laughs> I've heard this a million times. I know, me too, also. 
and it's really good and it's really rich. But here's what I want to talk about: this older son. So it's the story of this guy who, um, this father. I feel like it's the story of a father, a family of men, and the young son runs away from home, takes his inheritance, and basically like drives himself into the ground and runs out of money, runs out of life, runs out of desire to be out in the world away from his father and decides to return home but sort of has his tail between his legs and is afraid that his return will be met with rejection maybe. I don't know. That's maybe me projecting some of my own stuff into the story. But um, there's this older brother who has been home the whole time. And he's sort of like, I guess what we would call the good brother, like the goody two-shoes, the guy who is always doing the right thing, the one who's the peacemaker, and he's like not going to mess with the status quo at home. He's going to serve his dad and his father, and he's going to be honorable, and he's going to live this like upright life, quote-unquote. And the story has so many pieces to it, but this this part where this younger son returns home the father says we need to have a party because this son who was dead is alive we thought he was dead and he's alive like we'd written him off Ooh, already has some connections with ulysses anyway so you know it's this this picture of this this son returning home who was left for dead lost you know forgotten not forgotten but um written off as dead and this older brother who's been home the whole time, he when the younger son gets home, the younger brother gets home, uh, the party is had. The father throws this massive party and the, son sa- the older son says, I have been here the whole time and you have never thrown me a party. You have never celebrated me. Right? Like he has a – I feel like, you know, that's sort of an, a fair thing to say to some degree. You know, it's like – but what it – it's a fair thing to say, and it really reveals where his heart is, right? It reveals that perhaps, and this is what a lot of people's arguments about this parable, is that perhaps he's been doing the right thing for all the wrong reasons the entire time. But I think there's more to it than this. I think that this father, in embracing the son who returns home, who has been written off as dead, in celebrating his his aliveness and also in the way the father responds to this older son, which I'll tell you what that is in a second, um, it's this announcement of enough. Like you are enough just as you are without you doing anything. Like no matter what you do, I'm going to love you. Like I don't care what you do. I love you. It's this announcement of enoughness of being known just as they are without their deeds being part of the equation. So what does this son, what does this father say to this older son? He says, um, you know, the son says, why have you never thrown me this party? Why have you never celebrated me here? I've never left. I've never done anything wrong. I've never done anything bad like my brother. And yet you throw him a party. Why, why not me? And he says, the father looks at him and he says, you are always with me and everything I have is already yours. So this got me thinking about home. This got me thinking about what it means 
to be enough and to be home, no matter where you are. So here's this younger son who has this whole like leaving home experience where he's, you know, gone on a bender and, and he comes back to this place. He leaves his home feeling like it's not home, looking for home, right? He's like looking for this place that will satisfy him. He feels like a very unsatisfied person, it seems, which is why he goes looking for something set to satisfy him, to satiate some hunger in him. And then this older son stays home looking to satiate this hunger in him. And yet both of them have home the entire time in the father's love. And yet none of them feels this announcement of enoughness. None of them, neither of them feels this, this space of everything I have is yours. There's nothing you have to do. I had a pretty powerful experience on, uh, I went on a silent retreat last weekend with uh, my spiritual director and several others, several other people. And I didn't get to know those people because it was a silent retreat, but it was a lovely time and it was in a retreat center. Uh, And one of the things uh, I did at this retreat is I began my time within the first few hours with my spiritual director and she spent some time with me and we spent some time talking. And one of the realizations that I had was I had this sort of visual moment where I'm a very visual person. And so I sort of had my eyes closed and I visualized this image of being in a womb. And it was dark and I felt safe. And I think she said something like, who's, you know, where is God in this picture? Or is God in this picture? And I just remember having this realization. I'm in God's womb. And that was really powerful because there was something about being in God's womb where it was like, I don't have to do anything. I mean, it's not like, I don't mean like laziness or like sloth, like sit on the couch, do nothing. I mean, like, I just have to exist and I've got his love. I just have to I don't have to do anything. Like I don't have to provide for myself. I don't have to go looking for something. I don't have to strive to do or be anything. I just grow. I just be in God's womb. That's a powerful, that's a powerful picture. That is a very powerful announcement of home. That I, you, we, <laughs> this is our, this is our true story that we, we are held and that we are safe and that we are loved regardless of deed and action. Does action have impact? Yep. But man, like being in this womb, like a, a baby, an unborn baby in the womb, what does it have to do? It doesn't even have to like chew and swallow to get nourishment in its body. It just receives from the mother. 
what it needs. This is why, in case you've never read the Bible, there are a million, nope, that's an exaggeration. Sorry, I'm trying to be true with my statistics here. There are several references to God being a mother. And there's a lot of maternal images in the Bible for God. And I just love those because, you know, I'm a woman, I'm a mother, I, I get it. Uh, it's, it's a powerful image. So what if home is mostly, or at least partially, a matter of perspective? What if we can tap into uh, this feeling of enoughness, this announcement of home anywhere we are? No matter where we are, no matter what the situation is, no matter what is going on around us, and no matter what emotions we're feeling, what if we could just dig deep in those moments of even distress, even in our house (laughs) where there's distress, if there is for you? What if we could dig deep and find home in God's womb, like in us, somewhere deep? This is a transformation of thinking. This is, this requires a transformation of thinking, of perspective, of trying on a different kind of lens. And that is hard, you know, it's really tough. So, um, I'm going to I'm going to put out the invitation here. Here's a practical thing to think through. Is there something that you do? This is my invitation to you. Is there something that you do that makes you uh, very aware of that grounded sense of home? Like you are good, you are safe, you are held, and Many of you right now are hearing this and you're like, no, I don't have that. I literally don't have that. Let me, let me, I think we know each other well enough by now for me to give you a slight little loving nudge, an encouragement to consider this. And here's the real invitation. Go outside, lay on the ground, in the grass, somewhere comfortable, not like somewhere dangerous, just somewhere comfortable and safe on the grass maybe is the best place look up at the sky close your eyes feel gravity holding you down on the ground feel the ground rising up to meet you feel the earth holding you and let that transform your experience that you're having. If you're having a distressing experience or a moment of distressing emotions where you feel untethered, you feel ungrounded, unknown, unsafe, lie down in the grass and say to yourself, I am held. I am okay. Nothing bad is happening to me, even though it feels like it is. And I got to tell you, I know this sounds trite and cheesy and weird and like hippy dippy, but again, like I say a lot of times, what is the worst that can happen to you if you try this? You will what lose five minutes of your life and maybe your neighbors will point at you, but who cares what they think? We don't care what our neighbors think. Um, try it. Just try it and see what happens. It has served me many, many days. <laughs>
I'm a very emotional person and I've been grieving. So I've had to do this quite a bit lately. Uh, this feeling, I get desperate to be known. I get desperate to feel a feeling of home sometimes. And I'll do whatever it takes to feel like I'm at home and safe. And um, this this is one way that it's just like a random thing to try. Or maybe you're more visual and you work in a cubicle and this is a better way to do it is just close your eyes and imagine you are in God's womb. You are safe. It's dark. There's no stimulation. It's quiet. There's a soothing sound of your mother's heartbeat and there's water around you cushioning you and holding you that is the perfect temperature um, and you're floating there's no effort and there is only you and the one who holds you who loves you very deeply and by the way he made you from scratch my blessing to you is from John O'Donohue's book of blessings, which is called Bless the Space Between Us. And this, this blessing is called For the Interim Time. And this is a blessing. My husband's about to come in the door. I'm telling him not to. I'm at the end, man. Um, this is this is a blessing for an interim time. So maybe you, this is what your story is that you're in this interim time of like, I don't feel like I'm home. And that's the story of Ulysses. He, you'll hear in this song, especially he ties himself to the mast of his ship so that he, and then he points his ship toward home. He like sets the course. It's like autopilot and he's just determined. So maybe that's where you're at. You're in this interim time where you're like, trying to get there and it just feels like you have to tie yourself to the mast and point yourself home and so this is my blessing to you in this time this is just the end of this blessing for interim time as far as you can hold your confidence do not allow your confusion to squander this call which is loosening your roots in false ground that you might come free from all you have outgrown what is being transfigured here is your mind, and it is difficult and slow to become new. The more faithfully you can endure here, the more refined your heart will become for your arrival in the new dawn. Thank you for joining me today, and may you taste home. May you taste being known even when home feels so far away and is so far away. And may you, in this beautiful longing, find the quenching of your thirst. Take great care. To the hope 
It's gone. 